Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Are you ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Simply Write with Polly. This is the podcast where we talk about shaping a writing career and living the writer's life. And there are lots of ways to do it, right? It's it's not necessarily sitting behind the desk 24-7, plopping out the great masterpiece one after the other. Although if you got that, don't tell me about it because I'm jealous. I, I'm not doing that. That hasn't happened to me yet. But it's more about, you know, getting in and doing the work on a daily basis, doing work that's meaningful to us, that hopefully will be meaningful and valuable to the readers and a publishable piece so we can make a little money and make income around along the way. I, I've been doing this 26 years in all shapes and forms, and and I love to talk about writing, writing process and how we can do it, because I think it's there for you if you want to put in the work. And we're talking today with somebody who has put in the work. Christopher Koch is here. Christopher, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. You are the award-winning author of the story collection, We're in Trouble. You wrote the novel, You Came Back, and the newest story collection, you would have told me not to. I'm reading it right now. I've got questions and thoughts about that, so we'll get into it in a minute. Christopher's work has been anthologized in collections such as The Best American Mystery Stories, The Best American Noir of the Century, and he is also a professor of English at the University of Nevada, Reno, where you direct the MFA program in creative writing. He lives in Reno with his wife and dogs. And you were telling me we might be interrupted by your dogs. Yeah, if anybody comes to the door, we'll hear about it. <laughs> Do you have to have dogs to be a writer? Is that a prerequisite? Because I have a dog too. Well, in that case, I, I think that's enough of a scientific sample to say yes. <laughs> um, I, I, I have to have dogs in my life. Uh, without question, I can think of times that they've interfered with the writing process. But um, uh, they make my life better. So absolutely. I have a, I have a dog and I have two cats and the cats really like to lay on the warm keyboard and the dog sure. forces me to get up and walk around, which is always a good thing for yeah. me too. So I, I love having animals around, but you know, it, and we're talking a little bit about what the day can look like. You know, I, I have, I have, animals. I have a teenager who's in and out depending on the day. So I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a full-time writer. Today, after uh, we're done visiting, I'm going full in on revision. I've got chapter three on a novel that I've got to go back to, and I'm um, kind of stressing about it because I wrote it months ago. And other than the initial, I haven't really gone through to work through the whole book again. And so it's kind of messy. Um, that's what I'm going to do today. And I've got some bills to pay and I've got to get my kid to an appointment. So it's not all writerly romance over here, Christopher. What are your dailies like? What's your daily schedule? 
we're, we're recording this on a day when I have no writing time, uh, which is not making me feel great. Um, it's uh, I teach two classes today, including my graduate fiction workshop, which is wonderful, but is requiring some prep before I go into the room. Um, we have a, a, a poet reading on campus tonight, which is going to be great. Uh, but Tuesdays are the day that I just can't get anything else in that schedule. Um, and it's fair to say, too, I am not uh, <laughs> I'm not a role model when it comes to uh, fitting in the writing time every day. Um, that is something that uh, I struggle with. You know, my job as a professor, I work at a research institution where they do expect publication um, and I can get away with, you know, some fallow periods uh, while I'm working on longer projects like I'm doing now. But there is this, you know, uh, you know theoretically, at least there's time in uh, my yearly schedule for me to get that work done. Practically, and I think a lot of us would say this who are, who are in academia, that time is in the summer or over winter break. Mm. When we get into the thick of a semester, um, it can get pretty hairy. So I'm directing an MFA program, which means we're going through the process of admitting next year's class right now. Mm. So there's a lot of recruitment we're doing. We had a visit last week, a week-long visit from the wonderful novelist Alexandra Kleeman. Uh, and I wouldn't trade uh, being able to talk with another writer, you know, and, and and have a visitor to our program for anything. But that was a full week. Uh, you know, we're planning for the AWP conference in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's There's just always something going on. And uh, to be clear, I could make time, but it's in the part of the semester where making that time comes at the expense of sleep. And uh, sometimes I just have to choose sleep. Then again, you're talking to a guy who I've got three books in the world and I'm averaging like seven to eight years a book, which is not ideal. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you've talked to my friend Lori Rader Day uh, on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And Lori is, you know, uh, intensely pr prolific in a way that I, I very much admire. But um, I, this is a long and very guilty answer to your question. You know, like uh, I could put out a lot more writing than I do, but it, the, the, my process involves a lot of thought and a lot of hesitation and a lot of self-struggle. So um, the work that I do sometimes that I'm really proud of sometimes just takes me a long time to, to get out. Well, I think that's a great answer. I think that's authentic because we talk a lot on the show about the value of knowing your process. I've talked to Art Taylor, who's also teaching. Yeah, and Art. Yeah, he, he was awesome too. Um, I get, I love this job. I get to talk to awesome people all the time, but, but he touched on what you're saying, which is there doesn't have to be a set rule, but you need to know what your process is so you can do it that way and at least be productive when you do get down to work. Yeah, it's a, it's it's all about giving oneself permission, um, which is something that that I I know a lot of writers say, um, and sometimes it's hard enough to come up with permission just to do the to to write the things that I want to write, mm -hmm. um, and I have to also give myself and be better about giving myself permission to be the writer that I am, and have the schedule that I have and live the life that I live. Um, this is the result of a lot of therapy, by the way, you know, <laughs> I'm down with that too. I get that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I got to be nice to myself um, because the job is hard enough mm -hmm. anyway. Right. If I'm also beating myself up about doing it in the first place, then I never get to the writing, which is its own separate struggle. Mm -hmm. 
It's earlier. It's earlyish in the morning on the West Coast, and I'm still in my first cup of tea. So uh, if it takes me two sentences to say one sentence, I'm sorry about that. No, I think it's great, and I think it's a thoughtful response because I think the permission thing is um, underrated. It sounds almost like buzzy therapy talk, like you suggested, but it really is. I the novel I mentioned today. One of the reasons I said it out loud is because without knowing it, you're holding me accountable to that revise because I'm not getting paid for the novel right now. You know, I hope it's it's publishable. I hope that's where we go. That's the intent. But the reality is it's going to take another year. And meanwhile, I have all these other jobs and magazine assignments and things I'm doing to actually bring in the income. You're doing the teaching and those other things. It sometimes is hard for me to balance between the thing I need to do and want to do as a writer and the other stuff that I enjoy doing, but also have more immediate deadlines and pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah. You touched on something else, too. I talk about this with students all the time. Um, A lot of my graduate students are feeling a great deal of urgency to put their work in the world. And, Mm. And I get that, right? Like, you know, none of us would be where we are if we didn't feel that urgency. But sometimes I have to tell them too, like, you know, the the world is not clamoring for the thing that we're going to say to it, you know, like <laughs> you can take your time. It's okay. Yes, students in an MFA program have to produce a thesis at the end of their third year. And there is some, you know, I don't want to be silly about ignoring the deadlines that I've given them. But I also want to take some pressure off of them to be, you know, like brilliant within six months. You know, sometimes, sometimes it takes a while. I was uh, talking last week with our visiting writer, uh, uh, Alexander Kleeman, who you should absolutely have on your podcast. I'd um, love to. And, you know, we were talking about writers we love who've only produced one book. Mm. Um, you know, uh, uh, and I'm not calling anybody out for doing this, but, it, uh, you know, I'm thinking of Justin Torres, who's got this brilliant novel and stories called We the Animals. And if he never writes another thing, I will be grateful to him for that book, which changed my life. I hope he writes some other things. You know, I don't think he's struggling one way or another about it. But um, I read books produced, (laughs) you know, I'm a big fan of mystery series. Uh, You know, uh, for a while there, Ian Rankin was writing a Mm -hmm. book a year. Um, That's great. I'm happy to read them when they get there. But uh, I'm also I want to be here and support the art that takes 10 years. Mm-hmm. Or the one book that somebody has in them that's going to take, you know, uh, half their life to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I'm sure glad Harper Lee came up and gave herself permission to write To Kill a Mockingbird, whatever that took. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was obviously that's the name I always go to during conversations like this, because that changed my life. That changed the lives of a lot of people and, and probably the world in, in ways that we're only now understanding. But but that's the one, right? Right. <laughs> so interesting when you so when we opened the show you talked about how you weren't getting any writing time today um and that didn't make you feel good do you notice it in your body in your brain when you're not sitting down to get the words out when you're busy being a professor and and not a writer yeah i mean again i want to be you know like i'm the sort of professor who is also supposed to be a writer Uh they do pay they do pay me you know for part of my time to produce work which is a great gig um, so some of my guilt is job related, you know, like, um, uh, uh, I, I am supposed to be publishing. I also know that I'm 60,000 words into a novel and mm-hmm. you know, maybe five or six of those words are, are any good, but you know, I'm, I'm doing the work. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's, it definitely does. Um, 
gosh, I was awake at 3 a.m. Uh, this morning out of a nightmare where, you know, <laughs> I, I was not publishing um, and, uh, you know, feeling a lot of anxiety about that. And, uh, you know, some sometimes when that happens, I'll get up and write a page, which is a really good answer to anxieties like that. This morning, I couldn't I couldn't do it. I needed to sleep. But uh, yeah, I mean, I have I, I you're talking to a 51 year old dude. I could go on for a long time about the things that are wrong with my body. But um, <laughs> a great many of them are anxiety and stress related. And, you know, some of the things that I talk about in terms of my physical health are also things that I talk about in terms of my mental health. I, here's here's maybe I can talk about it in terms of advice I give students, which is always always the advice that I'm also giving myself, which is writing is a job that you could theoretically do at any hour of the day, which also means it's a job you can feel guilty about not doing today. And all things being equal, if you're that sort of person, it's probably a good idea to get up and write a page or two in the morning, just so that, or, you know, whatever you can get out, 25 good words, a perfect sentence, or even an imperfect sentence. But at least starting the day, knowing that you've touched base with that part of yourself, for me, at least, it takes an enormous amount of pressure off the rest of it. Yeah, I feel like what, that, too. Yeah. I'm in the throes of what you're talking about right now. And it's easy to put it off and go to the other fires that have to be done that day. And I find that I do better on those other things. And I feel better in my life if I get up and work on that book first, even if it's 20 minutes. I mean, sometimes yeah. I literally set the timer and sit down and say, I'm going to do this for 20 minutes before I move on into the rest. So again, I think that's about knowing how you work. And, and I've been on the other end where I've worked nonstop forever on deadlines or whatever. And that wasn't good either. You keep touching on sleep. I think it's essential. If we're yeah. going to create a sustainable career, we can't burn out by the time we're 50 or have sick days where we can't actually get out of bed because that's not good for anybody either. Yeah. it's I, That's something that I've had a little difficulty sometimes communicating with non-writers. Um, when I am, you know, say trying to finish something under deadline or when I'm really in the the, the, the last stages of getting a project done, um, five hours at the keyboard and I can come away sweaty and mm -hmm. exhausted. You know, like uh, it's, it's really hard to explain to people just, you know, how much work it can be to make the intellect work in those ways. I was reading an article recently about, um, you know, professional chess players and how much like they can lose significant numbers of calories playing a match just sitting there staring at a board. Interesting. And, yeah. And I don't I don't think what we do is all that different. Um, so and that's a, it, it's a bigger thing that that I often forget to my detriment. You know, I'm not a guy who likes to exercise or take care of himself very much. And if I don't, that affects the writing. But when I am writing, you know, when I am in a, in a really creative and, and productive phase, it's also easy for me to forget to take care of myself. You know, again, it comes back to dogs and the necessity of dogs. <laughs> I will walk, I will walk two miles a day at minimum because of my dog. But ideally, I would do more than that. If I had a perfect day, I've, I've been approved for a sabbatical for the fall semester. So if I can just get to May, then I'll have about nine months counting summer and winter break uh, to, to really sit down and focus. All right. Well, you're close. You're close now, yeah. Chris. Yeah. You can I have do all that. kinds of grand plans for sabbatical. And I should say here, too, that I really wish we lived in a world where every job offered sabbaticals. I agree. I think it would be so I think it'd be great for our creative health, too, for the whole yeah. world. I think innovation would come from those times, all of it. Yeah. So what would a perfect day be like then? If you're thinking about this, what is a perfect do you love teaching? Do you like using that side of your brain and your body? Or would you ideally want to be a full time writer? What does it look like for you? 
That's a good question. I'm again, I'm 51, so th- uh, retirement has become less theoretical to me, <laughs> and you know, I'm starting to to think about what that time might look like. Um, I am a weird mix of introvert and extrovert. You know, I really love talking to students uh, and and trying to help them along their way. Um, a long time ago, I trained to be a high school English teacher. I didn't ultimately choose that path, but yeah, it, it, there's there's a, a vocational sense where I really want to help people out. And I have a wonderful group of grad students right now. It's going to be a real joy to sit and talk with them about their fiction this afternoon. And I will miss that um, when I'm, you know, when I'm at home. I'll still be mentoring some grad students whose theses I'm directing, but I won't be in the classroom. And that's the thing I'll have to negotiate. But I do, you know, it does feel really luxurious to think of a day where I can not have to feel bad about fitting in 30 minutes on the elliptical machine and two longer dog walks and um, a few hours spent writing a book and maybe an hour spent on a short story or I'm I'm secretly trying to train myself how to write screenplays very early in that process. But cool. I'm, I'm looking at all the books stacked up right now. You know, I've got homework to do. And, um, you know, there's still room in the day to just, you know, to go out and have a cup of coffee or to, to browse a bookstore or to, you know, uh, say hi to people. I also think it's really important and I've got, um, I, I think this is true for a lot of us. I've got other artistic endeavors that I, that I like to, to play with. I'm a terrible guitarist. I like to take, mm. you know, photo- I, I'm, I'm into photography. And I really think that part of my ideal process is to have a creative outlet where I'm not going to be judged the way that that I judge myself and others would judge myself about fiction. Um, it doesn't matter if I'm ever going to be good at guitar, <laughs> but it mm-hmm. is something that I like to do. And that I think is is a necessary outlet. And sometimes mm-hmm. I, you know, I, that's a that's a, a day with a bad choice. Do I do I strum guitar for 20 minutes or do I try to write? <laughs> you got to do both. But the guitar, I, I agree. I think I think we've got to live to be the writer as well. Mm-hmm. And all those things access different parts of our brain. But I also learn when I'm doing those things, you know, when yeah. I'm reading something else, I play the ukulele mm-hmm. very badly, you know, or when I'm walking, yep. whatever, it's a way to access that. And I want to get into, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back on Simply Write of the Creators Network of Electricast with Christopher Koch, I want to write, I want to talk about Chris, that bridge between writing your novels and writing your short stories in amongst everything else, because you talked about writing a novel now. I know you've written one previously and and also trying to fit in a story here and there. So I want to know how that works craft wise. How is that different? How does that feel in the process? We're going to talk about it right here on Simply Write with Polly and author Christopher Cope. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electricast. And we are back. You're listening to Simply Right with Polly. And we're with author Christopher Coe. Chris, you write short stories, you write novels, you're a professor uh, directing an MFA program. 
and we're talking about fitting that all in and all that time is writing a short story does that require a different process for you than writing a novel and how do those interrelate yeah it's absolutely different um if i could have any writer's career it would be alice monroe's uh she is my imaginary literary grandmother i <laughs> i does she I know them. Have you written fan mail or anything? I have never written her, nor do it, nor do I know people who know her. I haven't, I haven't reached out that way. I, right. I wept into my hands when she won the Nobel Prize. I mean, yeah. she means so much to me, and I've learned so much from her work. And I really admire the way that she just sort of committed to the short story. Um, and it's a hard road, you know. Uh, it's not like I'm making a ton of money on my writing, but the money that I have made have, has has primarily come from that one novel that I've produced. Which I would, you know, if I'm being honest, is is the third best of my three books. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of it in some ways, but it's also, you know, it's it's flawed in ways that I think I can avoid in short stories. Um, so short, I like short stories in part because they're easier to fit into my schedule. Um, they're they give me a little dopamine rush a little faster than a novel does. You know, I can finish a few short stories a year, uh, and it's nice to have something finished. Whereas novels can mm -hmm. stretch forever. Um, I've never been diagnosed ADHD. I have my suspicions. Uh, you know, I do have some concentration issues. And um, when I was writing my novel, it it took probably four years. I, there was another failed novel in there that that contributed some time. Um, and some of that was drafting, and some of it was cutting the book in half before we could publish it. But it was a it's a book about grief. It's a book that takes in a place inside one protagonist's head mostly, and it was kind of a sad place to be. And it was draining over you know, when I was in the second year of drafting uh, and really in the thick of it and having to 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 push to the finish line in that book. I mean, it was just not a happy place to be. I was I, I believed in what I was writing, but in order to write it, I had to inhabit a mind state that was in some ways familiar to me, but was also one that I was trying to move past in my personal life. So to write that book, I was going to my office at school, you know, writing in the dark between like nine and midnight every night back when I was young enough to do that. And, you know, listening to doom metal <laughs> on my headphones Um so it's, you know, just psychologically, it was, it was, uh, that, that length was a struggle. Um, I learned a ton about putting a novel together from that process. The one that I'm working on now is coming much more easily. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not making some of the mistakes I made with that last one, but without question, if I could get away with writing short stories for the rest of my life, um, I, I might, which is that suggests there's some sort of evil overlord telling me I can't. <laughs> I could write short stories for the rest of my life, but I also, you know, do have novel ideas that I want to put out in the world. So maybe I'm being disingenuous about that. When I look at my coming year, and including the sabbatical, I want to come out of it with a novel manuscript, but also a couple of short stories. And um, I'm telling myself right now that the stories will be a little place that I can escape when the novel becomes too much. That was a mistake I made last time. I didn't have like outlet projects that I could go into. So this time I want to have a few other things. Uh, that was my next question. Do you juggle or toggle between a toggle is never a word I would have used like 20 years ago, but do you right. toggle between different projects then? And it sounds like, it sounds like you're able to do that. You're not going to sit down and just head down and finish one story or one novel and then go to the next. You're going to do them at the same time or hold them in your mental that, space. That's the plan. 
you know, we'll see if it happens. I, I'm kind of a weird writer in that the book I'm working on is literary realism, um, but I do read and sometimes write horror, mystery, fantasy. Mm. Um, and I've kind of been neglecting that side of myself. When I, I, I got an MFA at a program that was a very literary realist program, um, but my childhood training, my early reading was all in genre fiction. Mm-hmm. And I direct an, an MFA program that is very friendly to genre fiction. So I've had a little bit of luck in recent years with, you know, uh, getting some stories in horror anthologies. And I've got a couple ideas that might turn into a fantasy novel down the road. So I think it might be easier to do that toggling if I'm switching back and forth between modes. You know, if my story, is, if, if I'm trying to write a story that's really covering the same territory as the novel, I might as well just write the novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these ideas I have, I think, are going to be things that are that are going to be tonal and 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 genre related switches too, and that might be at, at least from here. The plan is that that's going to be easier to get in and out of. I'm not going to ask you where you get your ideas from because I I think for me there's never a shortage of ideas. But I'm curious about what does it feel like when an idea locks in for you when you have something like oh that's that's where I'm going next or that's something I'm going to incorporate. How does that happen for you? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I'm a teacher. That's what everybody says when I ask them a question they don't know the answer to. <laughs> really good question. Um, I mean, it, I, I, that's one of those things I can't be super clinical about. Everything I write that's meant something to me and has been publishable has been personal in some way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a fiction writer. I'm, I'm not writing memoir, but, um, you know, I had a I had a rough childhood. Uh, I lost my first wife to cancer when we were both in our twenties. Everything that I've written up until now has been touched with grief in some way, um, and those are things that I I want to think about. So, a lot of what I'm trying to write comes from self examination. You know, trying to trying to be a better person, trying to figure out uh, what sort of voice I need to have in a world that is pretty fraught mm-hmm. um you know not to be too <laughs> i i don't mean this to sound whiny at all right but i'm a 51 year old cisgendered heterosexual white guy right like what can and should i be saying to a world that's so fraught right now mm-hmm. and uh how can i make that personal those are those are the sorts of questions that i'm sort of wrestling with there's there's lots of things that i know how to say but some of those are ideas we've seen before or that, you know, we don't need reiterated. And I do feel that my duty as a, a literary artist, as somebody who's trying to look at the world and see it in slightly different ways, is to figure out something that's really valuable to me that is also going to be helpful to as wide a readership as possible. You know, that's not going to be, you know, secretly toxic or, you know, any of the other pitfalls that 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 writing can fall into. So I'm trying to, the, the novel I'm working on right now, uh, I finally had to have a, 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 a little, you know, revelation with myself and, and just admit, and maybe it's some stupid gendered thing, but like, I really love love stories, <laughs> you know, uh, and I've, and all my books kind of have elements of them in there. They're all about relationships, but I think I really want to kind of commit this time and tell a story about two people trying to, trying to find each other. And the challenge right now is like, I, w- I want the ending to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not something that I've <laughs> been able to, to get to in my books in the past. 
Um, and it's going to be a challenge because this book is going to be set. Its last third is set during the summer of 2020 during lockdown. Um, and it's going to be in California with you know, wildfire smoke everywhere. So, you know, that's kind of like, that's the thing I'm, I'm aiming for right now. How can I say something useful and optimistic set in a world that looks like this? And I think yeah. I know how to do it. And when I think I came up with that conclusion, you know, I, the usual thing happened, which is I got chills and, you know, goose flesh on my arms. And sometimes that means I've come up with the right closing line and the right image. Sometimes it means I'm just deluded. But usually <laughs> if I'm giving myself goosebumps, then then that's something I need to be working toward. Not to put too fine a point on it. It's all a process of just climbing up my own butt and seeing if there's anything useful in there. I think that's it for writing. And I right? think yeah. I, I don't hear people that can articulate this because it's not like, oh, I have an idea. I sit down and I type it out and then I revise it and I'm good. I mean, sometimes I don't even know what the idea is or how it's going to come out or what it means yeah. to me or how I'm going to use. Sometimes I don't have the words big enough for a year or two to to or ever you know for what i'm feeling or i i'm reading your you would have told me not to collection and um when you were talking you. about grief yeah i love it i mean i got chills when you were talking about grief and when you were talking about love stories because i think every relationship is is complicated by the things you articulate in that book everything every relationship is hopeful and difficult and there's grief to every level yeah. <laughs> you know and i think that's our human experience so um I, I'm really, I can see what you're talking about, the way some of those themes came out in through great characters and tension and all those other story elements, but there's a real human aspect. Yeah, that's, I'm really proud of that book. It came out in 2020. You know, it's, it's a literary book of short stories. It came out during the pandemic, you know, uh, uh, not many people found it, mm -hmm. but I'm really, really grateful that it's in the world and, and to my editor, Joe Olshan and Delphinium Books, which put it out. But because I, and I think I'm proud of it just because those stories cost me a lot. They really did. Uh, that was that was a lot of hard looking in the mirror. And and there's a story in there that I started 18 years ago, wow. 19 years ago. And, that, and I, of course, didn't work on it every day, but uh, it wouldn't die on me. And <laughs> I'm getting old enough where I'm actually going back and revisiting some older failed stories and realizing like, oh, I needed to be 50 and have screwed up quite a lot mm. in order to actually you know, get this, get this on the page in the way that it needs to be on the page. Yeah. I don't, it, and it's okay if you haven't, but the, the last story in that book is a novella. Uh, and it's one of the things I'm most proud of, you know, to, to go back to what you were just asking, it's a story. I, I just sort of looked up one day and thought to myself, I have spent basically every day of my adult life worrying about my weight. You know, one of the things that defines me and, and my existence is that I have this weird relationship with food and I'm either starving myself or I'm, you know, 40 pounds too heavy. And, and I've never written about it. And, uh, you know, what if I tried, you know, what if, what if I, what if I, what I really need to do is just wrestle with that. And so I wrote this novella called big guy about, uh, you know, a guy who is not me, but has some elements of me in him. Who's trying to lose a hundred pounds because he thinks that's going to make him better. And, uh, you know, I, it, that was once I knew I once once I had that understanding with myself, I need to I, I need to do this because I can do this because I don't see too many other people doing it. I don't see men writing about it. Then it was my my course was set. I couldn't I couldn't go backwards. And uh, it was hard, but it was also it produced a work of fiction that I I'm, I'm not going to say I love it because it was too hard, but it's it's the thing I'm proudest of right now. 
because I found a way to take the personal stuff and and fit it through the keyhole and get it out into the world where it's where it's now public. Interesting. I think that's I think that's when story can change the world. And no, I'm not there yet. I'm reading through the book and I'm about halfway, but I will get there. And yeah, I think I'm idealistic enough to think that's really what matters. And and I need to do the things that pay me too, so I can keep writing the story, right? Or engaging right. in the world. Because a lot of the magazine pieces or the stuff I'm doing is the thing that gets me out of myself to see what's really going on around me and, and gets me walking yeah. the dog. And it's like the yeah. dog, you know, it gets you out. Yeah. And when we come back and we sit with that idea and there's some courage to sit with the idea and to develop it and then release it, I think that's when, when we change the world. And I think that's big writerly stuff. I think that's what matters. So I, I can't wait to read and I'm going to have to skip ahead now, I think, to read it. You don't have to. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if you read it and you hate it, that's totally fine too. Oh, no, I, I, I'm sure I will. I I, I, yeah, I mean, I'll be polite. I'll say the things. But I, so far, <laughs> I really love the book. You would have told me not to. Check it out. Before we wind this up, I want to go to our last segment, which we call What's in the Desk? And What's in the Desk today is something I never thought I'd have in my desk, uh, listeners. I have just this week, computer glasses and what computer glasses are is they're special glasses that help me see my screen because I am now in that 50 age group too and everything has changed but computer glasses I can actually see the writing on my computer screen it's changed my whole life Chris you've mentioned that you listen sometimes to music on on earphones what tool do you enjoy or need to have to get the work done well um I have loved, since my 20s, uh, I have loved fountain pens. And uh, I've always had a few around. My pandemic obsession uh, when I was stuck in my house for two years was uh, getting the fountain pens out. And I began going down the rabbit hole again and unwisely acquired many more fountain pens and a lot of ink. So I'm looking right now at notepads and pens, and they have become a big part of what I do. That's how I get the juices flowing in the morning as I, I write in a notebook. And uh, this novel that I'm working on, it's almost all of it is is drafted in longhand, which mm. is something that I haven't done before. Uh, and I'm really enjoying it. It's slowing me down a little bit, but it's also, um, you know, different tools help us connect with sentences in different ways. Mm -hmm. I'm also surrounded. I've got, my wife hates this. I've got probably 20 typewriters in the house. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they are cool they're bulky um, yeah they take up space but i wrote a lot of the last book uh i drafted it on typewriter um and one of the reasons is because you don't get emails on typewriter or fountain mm -hmm. pen um but also just to give myself a little you know like it should be fun in some level and when i'm using the computer and uh you know opening up a document in scrivener Scrivener's magical. I love it. But sometimes with a, with a word processing document, it's just like throwing pennies into a well, you know, like mm -hmm. I never, I never get a sense of accomplishment the way that I do when I finish a page and turn it over. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's just a reflection of my age. I'm old enough to have started as a writer when I could make a stack of physical pages. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm loving now. I am loving that too. I write in the morning like you on you know, pen and ink, but I just started like six months ago learning about fountain pens. And oh, yeah. so I, I am, yeah, man, it could get expensive. <laughs> I'm going down the rabbit hole too, but it's so satisfying 
to put something on the page and see it come out. And it, it looks like me. It doesn't look all pretty. It's not all the same. It's kind of, it's, it's, you know, depending on the ink and, and the pen. And yeah, yeah I, I get that. I get that. So it's what's in the dust? It feels like doing work in a way that, that typing doesn't. Typing in the computer does. Yeah, I like that you said. To some degree, it should be fun. It should be. It should be a satisfying experience, and that doesn't mean it's not painful or difficult or those other things. But there's a reason I think we come back to the work, and and there's got to be some meaning or satisfaction there, and and it can be fun. You're working on new stuff. I want to find it. Where can we find more about your work and what you're up to next? Well, um, when those things happen, I put them on my website, ChristopherCoke.info. That's a website that I update only periodically. Uh, I'm not a big social media guy. Um, you know, I tweet once a year. But if if there's news, uh, you know, check the website. And there are links there to my books. And, and um, that's usually what I want to say to people anyway. And I will put those links and updates uh, to Chris's work and, and my work and essays, tip sheets about the writing life on simplywrite.substack.com. If you join our subscriber community, you can comment, leave bits of work for feedback and get involved that way. Otherwise, just sign up at simplywrite.substack.com and you'll get links to the programs and other essays I'm working on, things I'm thinking about, about living the writer's life and shaping a writing career. When it's all said and done, here's what Raymond Carver had to say. There are significant moments in everyone's day that can make literature. That's what you ought to write about. Remember, writers, this week, sit down and simply write. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric acid.